Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. What's been going on? Not much, like running around with family stuff, right? And trying to lots of holidays, holiday plans. Get the most out of the holidays that I can, you know, with the least amount of people that I can, because because of that's the the way we roll now in this society. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I've been I've been having a good time. I went fishing a couple times. Took my daughter fishing in waders. She got waders. Nice. And like climbed in the water for the first time. Nice. Um, I mean, she's been in the water before, but not like that. Uh, so it was pretty good. We had a had a good little break. Got a little bit more of a break. And we don't actually do our family gifts until this upcoming Wednesday. Oh, okay. On Epiphany is when we do our immediate family gifts. And then we do like wider family gifts. Um, nice. On Christmas Day. So you still got you still got things to look forward to. That's right. Yeah. Very nice. And next and next year, what, look, look, what is oh today is New Year's Eve. We're going to date as this we, podcast as we record this. We That's are on right. the cusp, the very the very precipice of a new year. <laughs> Let's. I hope this New Year's better than the last for what, what, almost everybody. <laughs> what things are you planning to do differently in 2021 that you will immediately give up after? Let's go ahead and say two weeks. Um, what, inc- what, uh, decades long habits have you formed that you're going to attempt to rata- like er- eradicate via uh, several quick fixes and approximately two weeks worth of work? I don't normally do new year's resolutions <laughs> because of the same thing of not being able to follow through with them very well, but I am planning on setting aside specific time for reading. Okay. And letting my family know, like, this is time for me to read. It's reading time. It's reading time. I You're can take do a it look. I can do it in a public book. area of my house. <laughs> it's a reading rainbow. Uh, uh, thanks, LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton. Um, no, like. Oh, look, there's a butterfly in the sky. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I can go twice as high. <laughs> I'm done. I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> This is the this is the material. This is the show. Let's get it together. Get your game face on. If only I could see again. Yeah. So just I I want to read more than I do, um, Mm -hmm. and used to read a lot more, but I find that I am easily interrupted, and I think that my kids are old enough now that I can be like, hey, look, guys, you're thirteen, fourteen years old. You never speak to me until I have a book in my hands. So let's. (laughs) let's fix that. (laughs) Are you hoping to read more fiction, nonfiction, technical stuff? What do you, what, what's on the, what's on the menu? Uh, a little bit of everything. So I want to read some more technical things and then, uh, some, some stuff about people and like working with people. Stuff about people. Stuff about people. Yeah. Stuff about people. I don't know, project stuff, psychology, things like the, like, you know, uh, I gave my talk last year about the thinking is greater than typing more things along that, those lines of, of how can I be more productive in my own learning and life Mm -hmm. without expending tons more hours. And then how can, how can I bring that to working with teams too? And hopefully end up making all of us happier at work every day by doing that. Okay. Excellent. And then I'd like to read some more white papers 
And part of that setting that side of time also, I also wanted to set aside like an hour or two a week to work on personal projects, whether they be open source or just playing around with something from maybe one of those white papers that I read or, or some mm-hmm. other book that I read, just, just actually setting time. I find that I am not good at, I'm too social too. So it's not just my kids interrupting me, but like I'll sit down and want to work on something, mm-hmm. but my wife will be sitting in the same room as me. And so after a minute or two, I'm like, Hey, what are you doing over there? How's life going? What did right. you do today? And then I realized mm-hmm. like I haven't done anything but talk to her for an hour, which is great. Sure. I love talking to my wife, but I, so I need to set time aside for things. That's so you, my goal. So you're, you're, you're going to attempt to do a very intentional reading. Yes. All right. I see. So in, in order to better yourself, let's say to, to gain and acquire new skills. Yes. Okay. What's uh what's, what's uh what are some choice, some choice titles? What's on the what's what's up first? What are you most excited about digging into? Well, right now I have a uh, an elixir book that's not out yet that I really need to mm. to wow. finish right. finish yeah. the reading. It's a for. weird flex. I'm not trying to flex. <laughs> um, I should stop saying. I just have yes this to super these secret this super secret book. You probably haven't heard of it yet. It's it's not well, out yet. I mean, only a couple look, people really even been able to see it. I, I don't like saying... I mean, I've seen what, it, you know, because I know a guy. Here's the thing, you know, I mean, people know me. <laughs> I, I don't like saying what the books are when they haven't been published yet, because you never know. They're, they're not even in pre-release yet. Right. They're not even in There's, beta. It's not, beta. It's not access. a beta. If it was Early a beta, access. I would talk about it. Because um, you never know if somebody's going to finish it. I've, I've read two books now, part, part of the books, they weren't done, they weren't even in beta, that never made it out of sure. that phase. Yeah. Cause the, the authors got burnt out. Yeah. They just couldn't, um, couldn't deal. Couldn't, couldn't yeah. just push. Yeah. Push through that. Not push through that. So I want to say it. They could not. Yeah. Got other things. Right. It's a hard yep. writing. A yep. book is, 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 is hard. Um, that's, that's what everyone says. It's, it's very, very difficult. Look, as someone who struggles to write blog posts that are, you know, 500 words or whatever, a book is, is like, that's, that's a daunting that's that's oh, yeah. basically you know the Lewis and Clark expedition. <laughs> like you don't know if you're going to come back from that. That's that's very fitting considering where I am in Missouri. There's like 50 Lewis and Clark statues around here. Is it accurate? I think like only one person died on the Lewis and Clark Lewis and Clark expedition. I and I think no I idea. think they died of like something that they caught before they For, left. I can see that. Sounds like, totally plausible. You know what I mean? I think they died of like a. Of, of like like a, a cough or so you know what I mean like they, they had like they had it was effectively dysentery you know what I mean it was like they had some sort of <laughs> they had some sort of malady that's terrible yeah I'm talking about looking forward to the next year and then you're like this no guy I'm just dies. saying like they went out into the they went out into the wilderness um and like it was like wildly successful except they never found that you know that that river they were looking for. That's too bad. They did find prairie dogs. Lots of prairie dogs. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole there's a whole story about them trying to like capture a prairie dog to send back or something like that. I feel like I should know more of this because of where I live, but maybe because of where I live, I'm completely did you not watch interested. That Ken, were you not like me and watch that Ken Burns documentary like multiple times as a kid? Uh, no, I did not. Oh, I guess you would have been in college at that point. <laughs> so 
Mm. Probably busy doing other stuff. Thanks. <laughs> I'm just, that's, listen, I just, that's the timeline. <laughs> that's, it's just accurate. <laughs> I'm still in my 30s. Shh. Uh, I can tell you what, there is a fiction book that I'm, or two of them actually, that I really want to read next year. Okay. One is Neil Stevenson's Seven Eves. Oh, yeah. That's that's a that's a quality book. I've had it sitting on my shelf for like it's a, a big, year. It's a big boy. It's it a, is. It's, it's a it's a tome. And I also know that Neil Stevenson has a tendency to write fantastic books right up until the end. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and so I'm I'm a little bit. Uh, it's there's it's always three daunting. books in Seven Eves. Like it's there's literally three books in Seven Eves. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I also got the audio book. Just in case. Seven Eves is a really, really good book. Like a really, really good book. Some people don't like parts of it. I won't say which parts. Like, and by parts, I mean whole sections of it are mm-hmm. like get pretty. But I, I found it to be pretty gripping through throughout. Um, I did read the beginning of it. Um, yeah. When I, when I first got it, but then it got shelved because I had too many other things I had to get done. Sure. And it's, um, a, it's a big book. It's a big and, book. And I was super excited about it. So I, I, uh, there's no real better opening to a book. No. Yeah. It's, it's like from like page two, you're like, Whoa, this is crazy. The first sentence is, I don't don't even remember what it is. A first sentence is like the moon exploded, uh, suddenly and without warning or something like that. Something along those lines. But then it goes back. Yeah. Like it flashed it back. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I read part of the flashback. To where people start coming up to the station. Yeah. And that's when I stopped. And the other one that I'm really looking forward to is Providence by Max Berry. Um, Max Berry is like one of my favorite authors. I've read all of his books now, nice. except for this one. And it, it came out. I bought it the day that it came out, but still haven't read it because of other things that I need. Yeah, to sure. You got a life. Things are going on. I get it. And... I want to finish behind human air. I should start behind human air. I bought it and it's on my shelf behind me as we speak. And I have not cracked it open. Just not I, hasn't made it to the, on the, onto the list yet. I read a quarter of it and it was really good. And then just, I don't know. I think I got sidetracked. <laughs> yeah. I'm not in the mood to spend uh, any of my like extra time doing any sort of technical reading right now. Just me personally. This is not what I'm not what I need at the moment. Not just I don't have the I don't know, I'm pretty crispy at the moment. So what is so so does that mean you're only gonna read fiction or Yeah, I mean I've been reading a lot of fiction. I've been reading a lot of I don't know. I've just been occupying my free time with stuff that's not technical. I haven't written a line of code in like three weeks, four weeks now. Sometimes it's, that it's kind really of nice. it's, it's it's potentially the longest time period in that I can remember. So what's your okay? So what's your favorite book that you've read in the last year? Oh, favorite books that I've read in the last year? Yeah. I don't even know. I I didn't actually read that many books, all things considered, especially when you like talk to people who actually read books <laughs> like you know what I mean who read a lot of books I think I read like 20 books this year um I, I kept a list I would have to go back and look at it but I also did a lot of rereading this year 
largely because I needed comfort food. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to think that hard. And so I went back and I read a lot of stuff that I had already read or, you know, was, was new that I already really enjoyed. So like I reread all of the Dresden files this year. I've never read those. Oh man. Oh man. (laughs) Yeah. I reread all the Dresden files this year. They're so good. Uh, And they are total comfort food for me. Like I've read a couple of them a couple times now. And like, they're the sorts of things that like you, when you just need, when you know, I don't know when you're in the mood for like, it's partially escapism, but you're also escaping into like a thing where you don't have to, those books are really good. They're very, they're several of them are very emotional and all that sort of stuff. But when you've already experienced those, the emotions and they provide more catharsis, like you don't have to invest as much mm-hmm. emotional energy into them. Um, and so that's, I, that, I was just craving a lot of that sort of stuff this year for obvious, for the, for the obvious reasons. I haven't reread anything in a long time and I do really enjoy that rereading and being able to go faster through it and kind of hit the highlights really and relive some of that. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I haven't done that in a long time. I think the last thing I reread was I reread Ender's Game. Oh yeah. Okay. Because I really wanted my daughter to read it. And mm-hmm. so I reread it at, and then now I think she's read the whole series except for the very last book, uh, I think multiple times and she refuses that series to read. It's weird. It does get weird, but she won't, she doesn't read the last book because she says that's like the last she owns it, but it's but she the won't last. read it. Cause then, then you're done. Then yeah, it's over. She's like, you she's like, that's my, over. my last hurrah with Ender. And she doesn't want that to don't be, to don't be sad because it's over. <laughs> be, be happy because you know, you got it happened. Yeah, I think she said that's her one of her favorite books, or her favorite book is Ender's Game, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's nodding. That's how I felt about the Last Colony, which is like at the was at the time like the last like Old Man's War uh, book, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, so good. You just have to be happy that it happened, that you got to be part of it. If you've read Old Man's War, that I book's really those that series is really good, dude. That series is like really good. I think you've read a whole lot more than me. I don't know about life. that, but <laughs> you've seen, well, you've seen my bookshelf. You've seen my, at my you, house. You have, you probably have more books than I do. Definitely. Especially fiction. I read, a. I didn't really, I loved to read until I was in about eighth grade. You know, and then they make you read books that you don't like. They make and you read it, all the American classics that are all like, yeah, you like, know, well, Old Super man racist. in the sea, old man in the sea, and boring and hard to I get hated, through. Uh, Charles Dickens, pretty much anything he's written, I can't. Unless you get a really good teacher who can like explain all the metaphors and symbolism to you, and that's why you know privileged kids always walk away either loving you know The Great Gatsby is like their favorite book, or like mm-hmm. To Kill a Mockingbird is their favorite book, or something like that. And and to be fair, To Kill a Mockingbird is like literally one of my favorite books, but it's because it, it, it like it hits you at the right age where you're just old enough to start understanding symbolism and metaphor and allegory and like all this sort of like undertones and like all the things the author is trying to convey to you. And then you pick up on that. And especially if you have a really good teacher who shows you that stuff in a way that, that makes it real to you, those books have like a profound impact on you at that, like really important emotional age. 
I feel like this is yep. all this is all like borderline stoner theory. Like <laughs> like this is not this is this is not a real thing, right? Like this, this is not this is, this is not science. <laughs> this is I don't think this is math, but this is like how I feel about it. But that's like like The Great Gatsby is not like a really a good book. It's that it hits you at the right age in, in as much as like it's not any it's not like a revolutionarily great book in the modern read. age, right? Like, would you rather read The Great Gatsby or Harry Potter? I've never read The Great Gatsby, but if I had a choice, I would read that over Harry Potter. I've never what? read Harry Potter either. You're out of your, you're out of your full mind. <sighs> Sorry, <laughs> you're old. That's that's uh, what it is. <laughs> uh, maybe I think when the when did the first Harry Potter book come out? I don't know. I was I was nine or eight or something like that. Oh wow. Okay, so I was probably high school. Yeah, and. I don't know. I just wasn't into that. I was reading Dragonlance novels, which is wow. not, not any better. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You have a character who's yellow the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Does everybody know that he's jaundice? Like, he's got an alcohol problem, I think. No, no. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, he's also like, you know, he's also evil the whole That's time. That's true. He is so. pretty self-centered. I haven't read those books in a long time. I bought the set this year as like one the, book. It's like the 25th anniversary or Dragons whatever. of Autumn, Autumn Twilight, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And get on uh, in there. I, I got about, I'm, I'm partway through it through the first book again. And it's like, it's a little painful. I know why I liked it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can, I still can recognize that, but I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is, this is not the greatest writing ever. <laughs> no, it's really not. And, and it's not. very obviously based on a D&D game. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like there are certain things. It's like there's so many archetypes and that sort of stuff. Yep. Oh, man. Which I, I can I can go back. I can appreciate it, though. Oh, yeah, sure. I, Absolutely. But, it's, but it is not the roaring adventure that I don't want to put the book down like it was when I read it like my freshman year. Sure, absolutely. Like I, I just I blew through that my freshman year and was like, this is the greatest book of all time. And now I'm reading it and I'm like, oh my, I don't know how I how I blew through that book. It's in a like day how I read, you know, something like a hundred of those Star Wars extended universe books. Oh yeah. I read all of them. I think I like legitimately read all of them at some <laughs> point. You know, and they were amazing as a as a young person. Because mm-hmm. you didn't you so you don't you sort of don't know any better. I, I and all that matters is like all literally all that it matters is like that anything happens in those books. Right. As long as anything happens, the milieu just drives you through the rest of it. Like you don't that, care about the plot at all. Right. I mean, well, you know, you're part of your imagination is being driven by the movies and your your other knowledge too. So it's not sure. Yeah. That that book gets to build on a universe that it doesn't need a whole lot for your imagination to run. And at some point, well, and at some point the what makes it fun is just adding more knowledge to your head about mm-hmm. the universe. Like that's really what the whole thing's about. Like you're just adding more stuff into the hopper. And so, you know, now when you're inventing your own stories or like playing with your friends or whatever, you can run around outside and like, you have all this extra head cannon to, to play around with. You know, that's true. And maybe that's why those books were so fun is because you knew that you were going to apply that. Yeah, that's half to of play. it. Was like it was and, like an exploration for cool ideas. Yeah, and now I I, I didn't really care to learn not after about. That. I didn't. I didn't. I, I did. I need to understand how IG eighty eight was formed and what his motivations <laughs> were and why he wanted to kill Han Solo. Because it turns out all the bounty hunters had a personal vendetta with Han Solo, <laughs> not just Greedo. It was all of them. 
Han Solo <laughs> had screwed over every single bounty hunter in the galaxy. The galaxy is a small place, as it turns out. That's why he's awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's why he's the best. But in any case, do I need to know, you know, why, you know, Zuckus was motivated by the things he was motivated about? Absolutely not. Nope. Did it help to understand why Bosk personally hated Han Solo? Probably not. <laughs> but I read Tales of the Bounty Hunters. <laughs> so. but, but it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you that those books were well written. I, I honestly I, don't remember. I uh, did an audio book of a Star Wars extended universe this year. Oh, you listened to one? I listened to one because I had like a, a long drive. And How'd it go? The book fit was right in that drive. Well, well, tell um, me about this. I want to know. This is this is now book outlaws. Okay, it's called Bloodline. Okay, and it's really about Leia after the Senate is reinstated mm. after mm-hmm. after the Empire is destroyed. And is it's this like the ba- is this it's immediately a, like Thrawn like like era? Um, I think or it's is like, this like th- post that like you know. I think it's post that it. It, like are, the, the are Jason Senate and is, Jaina alive at this point? Like, what is the you know what's the canon here? Give me the timeline. I don't. I don't remember. Has Jason lost his arm yet? This is this is where they're. Uh, it, it is the very beginning of the New Republic. Okay, is what sure. it is. So, uh, so like Thrawn, ish Thrawnish timeline, pre Thrawn. Yeah, I would say pre, just barely. Okay, or or, um, it is when they elect the new republic leader Mm, mm -hmm. that is the book so i don't know it it you know again not it didn't seem like the most well-written thing in the world but it was an audio book they had some voices it was well done and i had a lot of imagination to build on with all of the movies and it was better than leia floating out in space and then being sucked back in that's all i'm saying (laughs) You didn't like Leia Mary Poppins? Yeah, Leia Poppins? That's terrible. Uh, I have so many. It's so funny. I have so many thoughts about that movie specifically. I think that's the movie that. No, that's not the movie that broke me. The Han Solo movie is the movie that broke me where I just gave up. Where I was like, you know what? I think Star Wars has rung, has rung me dry at this point. I, I, Leia I agree, but I'm a totally didn't lay Leia Poppins totally didn't bother me. I haven't seen the most. I haven't seen the final, the final one. I did. I did. I haven't seen and, it. I literally have not watched it yet. It's not. I like, know the reveal. It's not I absolutely the, I listened, terrible. I listened to the Flophouse episode about it, <laughs> <laughs> which tells you, which tells you everything you need to like, know. <laughs> it's not. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen. No, and, I mean, they're, and, whatever. And they're I'm, all, it is what it is. Like, all those so, movies had, like, super troubled development and all that stuff. And, like, at the end of the day, my problem with it is is more just that, like, I sort of had all the answers to all the questions that I had at the end of Star Wars and all, all of my, like, things that I thought about with Star Wars and, like, what a prequel, what prequels would be like as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And what sequels would be like. I got all those answers from me like reading all those EU books and playing Star Wars with my friends. And like, we, we had answers to all that stuff and like, we knew how it all played out and like that, that fulfilled everything I needed. And so like, I have my own head cannon basically. Like I don't, I, I just have fanfic at this point in my head about, <laughs> in head. about how it all works. Yeah, it's exactly. Prob- that that was all better. that I really needed. 
I, I don't even it, know. For, it's just it's just so wildly different. I just don't need I don't need more answers. For me, I watched them because I feel a little bit like a completionist. Like I need to have it done. Except mm-hmm. for with book series, I don't necessarily do that because they yeah, take. No, clearly, there's a there's a lot of well, there's a lot of books commi- and, uh, books in general. There's a lot of commitment to <laughs> to to finishing a book series that you're not enjoying anymore, right? Yes. Like it takes a lot more. Yeah. Where a movie, I'm like, I can spend an hour and a half and watch it. Sure. And like, yeah. And like my eyes will be stimulated at least. Right. Like it'll hit certain neurons in my brain that make me feel good. And sometimes I'll sit there while I'm watching a movie with like some other work that I'm doing and I just kind of have it on in the background. Sure. And I feel like I can do that with a movie. I really can't do that with a book. Oh, even I mean, even in audio, that's yeah. Not even possible. in an audio version of a book, I can't do it. Absolutely, yeah, because it takes more concentration. So that that ability to put it on in the background. I think when I watched the final Star Wars, I was actually like, I haven't seen any of the Marvel movies since like, I haven't seen any Marvel movie in theater since like Avengers. I don't think I've seen. I don't blame you. I don't think I've seen any of the Marvel movies mm-hmm. since. I don't even know when. I I won't tell Juliet because she will be upset. That's those fine. Are, those are like the greatest She'll movies of all time for her. That's fine. No, I listen. That's not a sorry. This is not a judgment call on anybody who likes any of these things. If you love Star Wars, Alan <laughs> Z, man, like I am not going to tell you you're wrong. I read all the EU books. Like, listen, no judgment free zone. <laughs> like, um, I just don't. It's just not. It's not my thing. It's not my jam. I, I can't, can't judge people. One of my favorite things that I read this year is we are Legion. We are Bob. And it is, I don't even know what that is. It, it's a, it's a sci-fi novel about a guy who has his head frozen so that he can be brought back to life later. Oh, you told me about this. Yeah. And it's like, you told me about it's this. super cheesy. And I said, it's, but it's, I, enjoyed I was it. like, it's ripping off transmit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's cheesy, but enjoyable. And it's a series. Um, I grab the second one as an audiobook because I'm not I can listen to it in the car or whatever. Sure. And it's, yeah, yeah. And it's not something that needs a lot of uh concentration to follow. So it's just an enjoyable little little book. Yeah. I don't know. Going down my list real quick, because I have my list here. We'll do this quick and then we can talk about a list okay. of things. But my we changed topics. But uh stuff that I thought were highlights. I reread all of the Dresden Files. They're really good. People should read the Dresden Files. They're really, really good. The first the Rereading them, I'll say the he's very that the the author is very raw in the first one to three books. The third book, I mean, they're all good. I'm sorry, that's not to say they're bad, but like the third book, oh boy, does he hit his stride, uh, and then it just like sort of takes off. I read for the first time. This is an old book, but I read for the first time at the very beginning of this year, "The Soul of a New Machine," which I thought was amazing um, and totally worth reading. By uh, "Soul of a New Machine" by Tracy Kidder. It's it's from the early days of computers, um, and it's a journalist, Tracy Ketter, uh, sort of famous New York journalist, mm-hmm. um, doing a long form essay about building a new about these people building a new computer, uh, effectively building a new you know mainframe. Um, it's like in the era of like the Vax and that sort of stuff. Um, totally fascinating and compelling and. Yeah, if you're into computers at all, it's a it's a super 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 good read. Let's see, uh, nothing else super jumps out at me. I've read a bunch of like fantasy books and other things. Nothing else is like 
was was I mean also all of it was fun all of it was great nothing else like is was amazing uh, but Soul of the New of a New Machine was really really good it, there you go any, there's some books in, no tech books here I no I mean whatever I read Team Topologies which was like I don't know it was like a Malcolm Gladwell book it was like you had one idea that you turned into a book that could have probably just been a blog post <laughs> but we did but you did manage to stretch it out you did manage to say the same thing in slightly different ways long enough to stretch it out into an entire book. That being said, Team Topologies is like really good. The ideas in it are really good. It just didn't need a whole book to explain all that. You could just watch the talk and probably get as much out of it. Um, the book was good. Um, I don't know that everyone needs to read it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really. I didn't. Keep, I don't keep track of like my of like the technical programming books that I read. I never really read programming books like all the way through. Like I cherry pick pieces out of them at this point. Yeah, that I need when I need them. So I have a lot of like reference material effectively. So, yeah, that's it. That's what I got. Oh, I read Bad Blood, which is not also did not come out this year or anything like that, which is but it's also fascinating and really good. Totally intriguing and terrifying. Highly terrifying. Maybe I'll add those into my hour or two a week of reading. Uh, Bad Blood is all about Theranos. I don't know what that is. It's (laughs) really. Okay, well, we don't need to. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> we don't need to go into that. Moving on, moving on. It's the people who made fake, like, blood tests. Oh, okay, okay. With, like, those blood testing machines that, like, literally never work. It sounds like a fiction Elizabeth novel, Holmes. So, yes, I know who you're talking about now. Okay, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a book about that. Okay. That sounds like it would be interesting. It's, it's a totally fascinating I'm, I mean, read. I need to know how I'm going to run my next Ponzi scam, so. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> trick a bunch of uh, old white army people into giving you millions of dollars. That is the, that's the technique. And then just don't go to jail. Yeah. 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 Also, also important. That's a key part of this. That's a key step. New topic. New topic. What's happening in your Elixir world right now? Um, <sighs> anything, if anything, here's a question. I got a question yeah. for you. I'm, I'm going to put you on blast, okay. as the kids say. Um, do you need to ask Juliet what that means? No, no. Just means I'm going to ask you a question <laughs> in this context. All right, fine. I don't have to ask her. Let's do some idle speculation. Okay. Because by the time this comes out, who knows if we'll know or not. What is Jose working on? I have no idea. What do you idea. think it like is? Secret, what do you think it the is? The secret thing? What could it be? I don't know. I'm curious about what the trade-offs are because he's talking about all these performance increases that those usually come with trade-offs in other places. I saw somebody say it's it's probably Lumen. Yeah, I heard that too. I'm, and I I'm guessing it's not that. <laughs> I'm going to guess it's not. No. Uh, if it is... Oh man, we're going to be so... Oh, are we going to have egg on our face <laughs> when it turns out to be Lumen? <laughs> From now on, what do you Elixir think is? is built only in Lumen. Um, I really don't know. I don't I know. I think it's something to do with strings. You think that they're just changing the way strings work? Or like the performance underneath? I don't, well, who knows? But it, I, the reading between the lines of like the different benchmarks and stuff, I think it's strings. Somebody also joked to me and said, what if it's vectors? <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was which I thought just, was funny. Just for you. I mean, we'd be able to re- replace lists, which are a garbage data structure. Uh, okay, fair. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but they have really good O1 access for the first thing on the list. Okay, great. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, totally general purpose data structure should definitely be the default sequence. They're fine. You can just use maps as an indexed array. Okay, try how can can you concatenate and split that efficiently? Well, you can do No, you've admitted to me that lists are bad at this point. How are we still having this discussion? But I don't like that you use the word crap to decide to describe elixir. That makes me sad. Well, I'm sorry, be more critical of things that you like. I still like elixir. You can do both of the, you can do both of those things. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, straw man. <laughs> Bye. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of history there, right? <laughs> In that one little conversation. Good job. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think a new data structure would be cool. I don't. The, I don't think it is. I don't think it is because the benchmarks are all just about performance, and I I don't see it as being a single data structure that they would be talking about because it's not really improving performance across the board. It's improving performance of a data structure. I wonder if it. I mean, it's. Po- I think it's possible. It's strings because there are uh, other efficient string data structures to be used for immutable strings which are interesting mm-hmm. but i don't know I, it feels i think for whatever reason i thought one of the benchmarks specifically was about like concatenation or something like that it seemed like it was string related concatenation what well what else can you concatenate i mean you can concatenate all kinds of things depending on how you define concatenate. that's true that's true anything that's a join <laughs> It's yeah, I mean, like, do you want to you want to get mathy about it? <laughs> no, <laughs> like, no, we don't need. It's to go more. That far. It, I think I, for whatever reason, I read. Re- I was reading into it and felt like it was strings, but I have now. I don't know why I'm, I was. I thought that. I mean, it's possible. It's like lower level VM stuff. I, It'd have to be like probably in Erlang, right? You have to assume. Well, hopefully, or so lower level than that. So in the, in some the of the VM. some of the other things that um you know I've I've heard theories of is that. They're replacing something with like a with a C implementation, and then and then yeah. there are big trade offs there. Yeah. So like hopefully so it's not just like w- we wrote a NIF. Right. So will am That's I? What I'm hoping. Am, am I going to be happy with the trade offs? Is is it going to be something useful? I hope so. Yeah. Here's the thing, Joe. Say because I know you listen to this program a couple <laughs> times. And if you don't, someone you work with will. Hi, Voitech. The point <laughs> is. Friends of the show. Here's what I want. I want all benefits and no trade-offs. So please provide that to <laughs> me with whatever it is that you're doing. You can take that into account when you're making your your decisions. I, I all benefit. Chris Keithley wants all benefits, no trade-offs. I asked about the trade-offs and and got no response. So that they're really good at keeping whatever they're working on secret. When I told when I asked him, I was like, "This better not be a type." This better not be static types. He was like, well, you said you'd leave if we added types. So I was left with no choice. <laughs> so I was forced to was add forced them. To add types. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Here's what I really you hope. You don't get an opportunity like that all the time. You have to take it. Listen, I, I, you're not going to miss your shot. I hope it has something to do with inspecting a um, bit string. So that I don't have to see the uh, the bug report come through on my email that goes to the Elixir saying, "Hey, I tried to print out this list of numbers and I got a I got a word." Oh yeah, just <laughs> change more the default. Please just change that. Change just, that, can we, that default. Can we stop having that come through like it multiple times a I year? Unsub- I unsubscribed to the core mailing list a long time ago. It's well, the core mailing list is pretty quiet. It's the GitHub thing that i i still oh yeah i don't to. understand see here's okay i'm gonna give you a productivity secret you, you keep being like i'm gonna set aside time to do this stuff 
Let me give you just a nickel's worth of free advice. Unsubscribe from all the things that you don't actively need to pay attention to. Well, that's probably true. I don't read every one of those emails that comes in, but I read a lot of them. Sucks, but you're bad at email. I am. I am. You know what I mean? I have, but you refuse to archive any of your emails. I no, I archive my emails. I cannot have my inbox being full. This is an analogy. Oh, okay. It, it, well, it's look, like, man, Twitter is just so noisy, but you follow 2,000 people. <laughs> Fair. It's like, well, I found the problem. My, <laughs> I think I see the problem now. All right, fine. Fine. You, you may have talked me into unsubscribe. I don't, I actually only read about like 1% of those that come in anyway. But they, but you just listen. You got to stop the noise no, in no, your I'm head, saying, my friend. You're probably right. Like, yeah. I, if no, I, I know I'm if right. I have I'm not 99% wrong often. of those I just delete because I'm like, don't have time to read that right now. That 1% is probably not worth keeping it around. Yeah. But I was trying to do it to like keep up with what's going on and, and learn that's more why about you have, That's why we have our super secret chat channels that we talk super, to with our friends. They'll keep us, someone will keep us surprised of all the, of all the things. All right. You, you heard them, super secret friends. Keep us updated. That's right. I, Secrets I think don't it's keep binaries, friends, but good, I, good friends. I wonder if it's a NIF or or some other low level thing. We will see. Yeah, and and could does be it, all kinds does of it things. affect cross? It could board, even be a boat, or is it just one area? It's much faster. I'll tell you that. Are wait? Are they working on the JIT? I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. This is idle speculation time. So I'm talking to you. This is supposed to be good content. I, and I need you to I need you to get your head in the game. I wish I had more speculation, but I'm like so lost in that whole conversation. Like I've been following it and I think your think your idea of strings or binaries is probably not bad. And it's one of the slower things, mm-hmm. right? It's one of the uh, binaries are kind of like a problem and generally. it would have a major impact on on web development because there's a lot yep. of strings yep. going back and forth Probably there. makes live view faster. Right, because you have it's faster to send over stuff over the wire. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. So th- I mean, be that, pretty cool. That would that would have a major impact on like ninety percent of the people using Elixir. Maybe they finally got sick of people trotting out those tech and power benchmarks. I mean, like, why is a little see? I mean, Python is faster than Ruby and which is faster than Elixir. Like, okay, <laughs> sounds good. Let's just let's when, just especially and they're like, look at this hello world benchmark. You mean the one where you just like whoever sits on the Unix socket and responds as quickly as possible is the winner? Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. That's real. That's realistic. That's what most apps do, you see, Amos. Yeah. Well, as long as you can get to that Unix socket through a Kubernetes deployment Obviously. process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just, I mean, what do you, you gotta have, you have to have a modern architecture. Well, right. That, like I have a thing at home. It's a Raspberry Pi. I'm the only person that connects to it. I deploy to it with a Kubernetes and Terraform. Uh, well, obviously. Yeah. I mean, listen, you gotta be modern. <laughs> you can't use Ansible like an animal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you gotta. My, working for my single application. I uh, I saw there's a I, for whatever reason I saw an ad for Red Hat yesterday and first I was like wow Red Hat's still a company and then second of all I saw a uh, they were like Kubernetes is is more than just a way to deploy your Dockerized microservice architecture to to the cloud it's a way to reach your customers and I was like is it though I don't think it is I'm pretty sure your customers do not care if you're deploying to the Kubernetes Kubernetes 
<laughs> Do you struggle with Kubernetes? <laughs> I got Wilford Brimley coming in. Yeah. Where's my Tumblr? Where's my hashtag hates Kate's Tumblr? That's what I want. I want a gift Tumblr that's just hates Kate's. We need to do that. I don't know. Yeah, get on that yeah. for me. Would you um, do that? Would you do I'll that, please? I'll work on it. Juliet, we need some Tumblr work. I actually don't even hate Kubernetes that much. I just hate the industry. Yeah, I don't I don't think that I hate the mentality of we have five services and a team of ten people, but what we probably need is an Istio and GRPC. Yeah, like it, no, like what you needed was Postgres. Everybody, everybody <laughs> wants to like, jump on that, that new thing, and nobody like so many of the conversations that I have are about: Have you thought about the trade-offs to this decision that you've totally do- are like gun ho? We have to have this, and the answer is always I, I, like: how, well, how? We need orchestration, or we need X, or we need Y. Like I, I yeah. think we need to get use RabbitMQ or That's what it Kafka. Is. <laughs> And it's like, why do we need Kafka? What are the trade-offs to Kafka? Are there other ways that we could do this? Is it, I mean, Kafka might be the answer, but let's talk about that. Let's not just jump on And I'm like, well, why do we need Kafka? Well, we're going to have to send messages. I was talking to a friend of mine who like got called out in a meeting because he suggested RabbitMQ mm-hmm. for a background queuing type stuff mm-hmm. and was told that they would obviously have to use Kafka because RabbitMQ is ancient technology. Wow. And I about, uh, he told me this story and I was just like, we're, I'm, I, this is, I'm reaching a point where I want to quit. I want to quit software. Yeah. <laughs> the, the industry's current fetish, fetishization of like cloud scale, whatever, whatever. It's like, oh my gosh. And, and I think that, when I get upset about Kubernetes and stuff like that, it's not actually that I dislike Kubernetes. I've run Kubernetes clusters in production. Like I have done that. That's partially where I like where my vitriol comes from. But it's also just that like people adopt these things like with such a flippancy and you just the sensibilities you get doing this for a decade, you know, you start to see things like coupling and complexity and you just like, you get so you just run screaming from that stuff because you know the pain that you're looking at. Like you see the future that you're looking at and Kubernetes has its place. Like all that stuff, all those things, Kafka has its place. Like all those things are useful in contexts where you like have made the right decisions to do that. But like, you don't want to just don't stop being so irrational. Like, (laughs) like, I mean, I just like, stop, stop, pretending that I don't even know. I like, I'm, I'm actually at a loss for it. Cause I don't understand it. Like it's like, it's like an ideological thing of like, what if you just like did the simplest thing that would work today? And then, you know, by the time you need to scale up, you understand your problems. And then you do that and, thing. And I think people are like, well, we just got to pl- plan for this or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, but like, but you can take a project and add Kate's to it and not change anything else. It's not like it, changed the way that you had to write your application right so if you get to a point where you start to need that in theory, in theory like there yeah, there are theory. some things it's it's not something that is extremely difficult like to add later there are things that if you don't do them at the beginning of a project going back and changing can be like nearly detrimental yeah but yeah i but mean a lot of these i, I don't not. know though most things are not but like how much 
what is your, I mean, Fred talks about this in his like complexity has to live somewhere mm-hmm. post. It's like, how much of that are you willing to pay for? How much of that do you want to own yourself? And how much of that do you need to take on today to achieve like the goals? Yeah. And if you've got 10 things, I don't know. Like, I don't know that I buy it. Everyone's going to have their own sensibilities about that stuff, but it's just like people take on. I just remember seeing a brand new startup that's like we run literally the the modern web stack, right? We have a Kafka. We have a Kubernetes. We have an Istio. We have an all, blah, blah, blah. And it's like you have 20 people. Like, how did you let this get out of hand? And then I remember people that we are from the, that we are that we talk to on a regular basis being like, eh, it's fine. Uh, that seems like a totally reasonable stack to me. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, how are we in this place where like that's reasonable? The management of all of that might take 20 people. That's where I like get, I don't know. And, it, and yeah, I don't know. It's like, how is that a useful expenditure of time? Spoiler alert. I talked to the people who actually work there and they're like, it's not. So, you know, there you go. But it's all, but like now they're, you make some of these decisions and then you do have to live with them. Like you can't just go rip out some of this stuff, right? right? Cause you start to like become reliant on that stuff. You start to become reliant on certain things. And there are certainly great benefits. Uh, you know, Kubernetes has service discovery built in for whatever mm-hmm. that's worth. You know, it's like, it's got, you know, you have to go through three or four layers of software defined networking and it's slow as hell, but like it does work most of the time. And like, you know, you can make that, you can, you can jam all that stuff together and make it all work. Yeah. Or you could like, you don't know, it, like it's a false dichotomy, right? But, or you could have, a, a you know, or, or you could not, <laughs> or you could just not do that. I've, I've seen it work well, Kubernetes service discovery to have multiple nodes be able to connect up to each other in an Elixir app. Yeah. There, but, there are tons of benefits to it. There and are like, other ways that's to- the only lib, that's the only lib cluster adapter that works. Like, you know, so if you're going to use libcluster, it's the only one that you that you probably can safely put into production and like count but also on. also how far can you go with maybe a little bit of hard coded, but for service discovery, oh, sure. like you can get really sure. far that way. Most people are not needing to have auto. How many nodes do you need to run? I mean, if you're doing it, I mean, here's the thing is like if you're doing it for scale and you've got a reasonable runtime, how many nodes do you need to run of any given Oh, thing? and do we want to talk about auto scaling? Right? Oh, auto, I mean, auto scaling, like forget auto scaling, like, no, auto scaling is a cost saving measure only like a hundred percent. We've talked about this before. Like auto scaling is not resilience, right? In the sense that it's not auto scaling does not buy you anything on its own. You need everything else before you need auto scaling. Auto scaling to me is like the. And by auto scaling, I don't mean like detecting dead nodes and replacing dead nodes and all that sort of dead containers and restarting apps and that sort of stuff. I mean like, oh, well, we can just go from 100 to or 10 to 100 instances instantaneously. It's like, well, no, you you can't. And also that's not math. (laughs) Like that's that's not that's not science. That's not cues. It turns out there's literally not math that will govern this. And that's not math. Well, and and like oftentimes what I see in auto scaling architectures is that the database actually ends up being your bottleneck and then you start auto scaling app servers and you, and you, you, know, you just have not done anything better. Um, no. And, and I mean, if you're using like a junky, like single threaded runtime that can handle 10 requests at a time, sure. Adding more 
instances will enable you to handle up to maybe even potentially 20 concurrent users. <laughs> well, what I, <laughs> you what know. I found is that in a lot of auto-scaling of the web server itself, what you've really done is every web server has a queue of requests that can only be so large before it starts dropping them on the floor. Yeah. So all you do yeah, exactly. by adding another node, like let's say one node can have 100 things in its queue, you add another node, now you've just expanded the ability to queue more things. You have not made things run faster. You, you've actually probably slowed things down even more. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, because now you've, you've just moved the bottleneck, mm-hmm. right? You've pushed the bottleneck into some other part of the system. And that thing may have even worse. And yeah, the knock-on effects of that, they yeah have have marked uh, performance so, impacts. Like a lot of that is to say, service discovery you can get by really far with just some hard coded or semi hard coded things. You don't. You I mean, don't like have to go to the Kubernetes level. Well, and and like if you're doing it for scale, right? And the the real answer to that is that most services are not about scale at all. Like you don't break stuff. I mean, people claim to break out services mm-hmm. for scale reasons, and sometimes that does happen. Like, like all these things do do occur. In the majority of instances, you're breaking out services because of team dynamics. Mm-hmm. You know, you're breaking out services because of the huge gaping wound that you that you incurred by you know. Conway came along and shanked you <laughs> because you like didn't like you didn't you decided that you could ignore it. And like, that's what that's what you're trying to defend against half the time. So that's how you end up with 50 services is you have 50 teams that don't talk to each other very well. Right. And like, you know, yeah, and then you end up with that problem. And so it's an answer. All these solutions are, are a way to platformatize, if, if that's a word, uh, a common thing, right? Like we need a way, if you've got 50 teams that don't talk to each other very well, you do need a way for them all to deploy software. Mm-hmm. So now you get one team who just manages nothing but the deployment of software, which really just means just keeping etcd alive. And then <laughs> as long as the etcd is alive, we can deploy software. And so you keep that alive, and then now you can now your fifty teams can continue to not talk to each other. Except now they can talk to they can not talk to each other, but more efficiently, right? Which is actually good for your productivity, for your individual productivity. If to we're a being point. honest, right? Like that's that's the trade off mm-hmm. you're making, right? You can move a lot faster if you just don't talk to each other. To a point. But if you, yeah, yeah, well, uh, unless you care about not reinventing things or like having disparate data stores for stuff and like, you know, having all this domain knowledge spread across all your different systems and then trying to reconcile that eventually when you need to do reporting. And now you need a team to, you know, do nothing but manage a data lake, <laughs> as they call it, you know, or whatever. Like, that's the problem, mm-hmm. right? And so, and, you know, Kafka will not save you. The database, turning the database inside out will not save you. Um, nothing saves you except communication. And, but that's, that's the point. You're trying to mitigate a people problem. The people problem being, I have 50 teams doing 50 disparate things. They all have their own services. How do I, and then when they talk to each other, you know, if you can reduce the number of people that a specific team has to talk to, which ends up splitting services even more. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Like that. And I mean, and it's fine. Like, uh, you know, if you want to target a deployment thing, Kubernetes is whatever. If you, you know, it's just a lot of YAML, a whole lot of YAML. You'll write more config than you'll write, you know, application code half the time. And then you'll have something, some, so if everybody's like, well, no, I just have my own scripts that I just copy into everything and it just works fine. And then it's like, well, okay, uh, well, sure, if, whatever you well, say. Well, if a lot of your projects are the same, 
And and I've seen that. Yeah, sure. And if everything is just a crappy go binary that you put in Docker <laughs> container, it's probably fine. So like it's it's good. It is I, what it is. So I, I've you know. found that any time that we need something new on every team that I've worked with that did Kubernetes, that it didn't matter what that thing was or how complicated it seemed to be, it was going to be at least a week. Yeah. Up to a month for things that I, you know, we everybody was like, oh, that should be easy. We'll we'll have that done. At the end of the day, we're gonna go ahead and deploy that change to Kubernetes. And then they're like a week later, they're still like beating their head. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, you eventually you figure it out and you write some Go plugins and you get it to work with AWS or whatever your your cloud provider de jour. And then, you know, you get you get it all to work. And I mean, so it like I say, like the the scaling thing is not it, that's not really the main motivation, right? Because at the if you wanted scale, you wouldn't use containers at all. Like if you wanted scale, you go rack some boxes. Mm-hmm. Like if you wanted if you wanted like high like you know if you wanted if you're going for highest throughput, you, you're going to go run like your own network at some level, you know, and have um, the maintenance team for that. <laughs> if you want if you want higher high ish through you know throughput. You know, you just you default back to Amazon's crappy network, and then you you just use that. If you d- like, so there's different scales mm-hmm. of it, right? And like, if you want if you want to try to eke out the most of your of your of your performance, you're not going to like jam an app in a container and then give it a bunch of time slice CPU. Like you're just going to give it the most CPU and the most RAM and just let it ride. Right. Um, that's not the point of all that. The point of all this stuff is like cost savings commoditization of this stuff, commoditization of compute power and trying to make it consistent. So you don't have to talk to 50 teams all the time. It's just a people problem. Um, and there, there are certainly lots of benefits and man, I'll tell you what programmers see all the benefits all the time. I mean, programmers know the benefit of everything and the trade-offs of nothing. <laughs> That's like, the quote of the you know, day. They, like people, people, people know that constantly. And so it's, you know, it's not, like I say, you're not really doing it for scale. I mean, to put it in perspective, we ran a Phoenix Channels app um, with like 150,000 connected users doing several hundred requests per second on five nodes. There were big nodes, but five. And we had tons of headroom. That. And like, and like, that's, that's, you know, if you just think through your problem and and we made a bunch of trade-offs and design decisions to do that like you never hit the database like you never you never go do anything expensive and it's all best effort and it's all start you know you start from in memory first and all that stuff and then you're and then you're fine and they're not even like that big the nodes weren't even that big and and technically speaking we weren't even running we were still running on time slice cpus like we were running on ecs so we just like we had a pretty big allotment of time and you start to think like, well, wow, if we just gave these nodes like a real box, like just dedicated all the resources of those virtual machine to this one app, we'd be in really good shape get away with two boxes. Yeah. I mean, you know, we'd definitely get away with, I, w- I don't know about two, but like get away with a lot more, Yeah, have a lot more headroom. But in any case, all, all that to say, like the potential there, the potential, the potential is there to just not run that many things. But like I say, it's not really about, I'm just repeating myself now. It's not really about running, cool. you know, it's not really about scale. You're not, you know, you don't split, you very rarely split services for scale or, or rely, quote unquote reliability. Sometimes you do at a, 
at very large companies, you have enough people power to to make those kinds of decisions. Most of the time, you, it's it's just purely politics. Well, I think, people I think a lot of the times when when working, we don't we don't necessarily think about the actual performance requirements of the software that we're working on. Right? We think about the the uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it business logic just for you. Uh, <laughs> sure. I mean, you think about the things the things you actually like, need yeah, to do. like what needs to happen, but not not mm-hmm. when it needs to happen, or what happens when it fails, or um, what are, what are the performance characteristics? Does it need to respond in under a hundred milliseconds, or is five seconds okay? Like those trade offs aren't thought about until way late in the game. And, and I think if we can move those up to an upfront conversation that then we can know how to design and like know whether, whether it's okay for us to throw it up in a cloud, whether we need to have bare metal, whether we, uh, we don't mind spending for, we could, we could either have four virtual nodes or 400, like that it makes a big difference in how you want to design things. Um, so if like cost speed, number of connections like those things should be things that we think about a little earlier in the process than what we do. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think, I think it's all business logic. Right. We've yep. had this conversation. Like I think performance is business logic, just, you know? And, and I think in as much as performance encapsulates uh, throughput and concurrent users and all that sort of stuff, right. You can't have, you know, Every request can't take 10 seconds if you have thousands and thousands of users who are all going to use your site all mm-hmm. at once. Just because partially, unless you're Jira. Partially just because that's no one's going to stand for that. Like people will think your service is miserable. But also partially just because, you know, you now have a, a major problem. Like you can't service everybody. I mean, you know, I think those things have to be part of the conversation because it's it's relevant to your business. At the same time, I think most companies just don't have that many users and it's fine. You can you can run a couple million dollar business on a handful of users, relatively speaking, right? You don't need to be Google to, to or Facebook or Twitter or any of these other mega, mega network things to build a several million dollar a year business. You know, like that's just not how the scales break right. out. And so if you have, you know, it, we were talking about today, it's like most people will be thrilled to death to have a hundred requests a second. Right, because that would indicate that you've got like a very successful oh, business yeah. at that point, or like at least a successful business, right? Depending on what your aims are and what you're doing, but and so I think most people can get a when people talk about performance not being a thing or like not worrying about performance as part of the you know this is a DDD thing that comes up a lot. I feel like, or at least in, from that community, it's like if you can just get by thinking performance is a secondary problem to you know design or something like that or feature development that's true only in as much as you just don't have any users or like you don't, you're trying to get users especially if you're early stage you know you're trying to like figure out what people will even pay for and at that point performance like super doesn't matter because you don't have anything you don't have anyone to right. perform with or perform to you have no audience so just figure get an audience first yeah before you make it fast and, and i mean you can you can perform well enough for a handful of users that it's not you're probably not going to matter unless your users are automated devices that are pummeling your server <laughs> yeah i mean and everything's going to i mean and that's the thing is like every every context matters context is king in this case or or context is in the in charge let's, put, let's do it that way 
if you, you know, you have to understand your business. You have to understand what it is that you're actually designing for and work within that spectrum to accommodate that. Maybe you have no users, but it's all connected devices and they send thousands of telemetry points, you know, uh, every second. Well, you got to accommodate that. You have to learn how to how to handle that. Uh, and that's the thing that you're preparing for. So all that to say, like, I don't actually hate Kubernetes. I wish that programmers and so-called software engineers would stop and consider the choices that they're making on their own merits, as opposed to like, everyone should default use this because it's the future. And that, that really bugs me. Because I think that we could be, you know, we're, we, as an industry, I think we're in a very like self-serving place mm-hmm. right now. I think worse than, than probably like I've seen in a long while. So is that with all, with like, with this fetish, fetishization of like infrastructure. So that's the New Year's resolution for the industry. I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. I just believe in well, resolutions. That's the resolution for the industry. Like if you were going to, if you're going to make some giant change in your life, why did you wait till I, the new year? I, why is it so not important as not to do it right now? it's New Year's Eve, I'm going to call it a New Year's resolution. Are you going to eat black eyed no. peas tomorrow? Dirt peas. That's what those are. Dirt peas. You've never had. I've, you've never had. I've had good, good black eyed peas. And they're no, okay. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, you haven't. No, How not do you the way them? I do it. Let's hear. You get the whole ham hock yep. in there. My mm, family's from Alabama. Sure? <laughs> yeah, but I'm are you sure? Sure. They also used to put sugar in there too. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, I. I had an ant See, that put sugar in there. Yeah. I mean, maybe some hot sauce, but not yeah, sugar. Yeah. What are you talking about? Keep that bitter. Keep that Just bitterness. beans and rice. I like them better now that I'm old. Anyway. But when I was a kid, I was like, these things taste like dirt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, same. To be fair, same. Same. A lot of times people use like white rice too. Instead of like, you know, mm-hmm. like wild rice. You really got to use it wild rice. It makes a big difference in the flavor. It makes a huge difference. Oh, so ours were often just anyway. the beans. Like no rice. Just beans. Pile on your plate. Like you're, like you're eating a pile yeah, of corn, no. but instead it's a pile of beans. No, 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 no. See, this, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> that's not Hoppin' John. That's not, <laughs> that's not what that is. It's, you, gotta ha- you literally have to have the rice for it to be for the it whole to dish. Taste good. Yeah, I will probably not subject my kids to it this year, mostly because I don't think we have black eyed peas and we can't find them at this point. Like, there's no way I'm going to the store at this point to go out and just try to scrounge up some black eyed peas or purple hole peas or any of that stuff. But I make I make some dope Hoppin' John. I'm just going to throw that out there. I make some tasty, tasty Hoppin' John. Next time that we can actually travel and it be safe. Uh, I'm coming, and and you're gonna yeah. make me some Hop and John. I'll make you Hop and John and fried I'm chicken. In. Yeah, we'll make a thing of it. It'll be a whole. It'll be a whole day. Sit in the back. Oh, I got a new. I got a new. I got a new cast iron for the oh. holidays. Ooh, it's good. It's so good. It's so good. I'm, I'm like slowly trying to convert everything to cast iron, except for making eggs. Making eggs and cast iron. 
they do taste really good. But making eggs is is making eggs is is where you is that's what the that's the cast iron uh, bread I and butter. I always get them stuck. It's the it's the cast iron butter. I always and eggs. have them stuck to the bottom. Then you're you got to season that cast season iron. Season some more. Okay. Season more. How do you season? Let's talk about this. is important, okay. and we'll go. Uh, I usually. How do you use? How do you personally season? I usually cook some bacon iron. in it, and then put it in, and then put it in okay. the oven. I've got notes. Put it I've in got the notes oven at three fifty. Let it ride for a while. Mm-hmm. I got notes for you. What? Bacon is the worst thing to season your cast iron with. It, uh, I used to know the actual chemistry of this, but bacon specifically, um, there are certain properties of bacon grease that strip seasoning from cast irons. Well, crud. All right. What do, what do I need to season? Yeah. Uh, do you want like, do you want a food or do you want to, you know, do you want to, do you want to get gain seasoning, you know, the way, the way your grandparents did, or do you want to like, uh, can you start with a cheat and then move on to the way my grandparents did it? Because that's absolutely. what I would probably do. Yes, Because I've done, I, I did olive oil before, and I tried avocado oil too, since it's got a high flash point. Hmm. You need, you want olive oil has a very right. low flash point. Yeah, that's so why I switched to avocado. Olive oil. You can use avocado. To be honest, it's not good for the environment. Canola oil is like kind of one of the best easily accessible things you can use, or lard. Oh, we can if you have lard. lard. Grapeseed oil. I have some of that. You can use grapeseed oil. And and here's the thing. You put a little bit on there, a tiny mm-hmm. bit, a tiny bit. And basically, like, it shouldn't look shiny. Like, once you once you scrub the surface okay. of it, put it in the oven. Better yet, if you have a I grill, you can use the grill. Right now, it's cold outside. But you could use the grill, and that way it doesn't smoke mm-hmm. up your whole house. Unless you have a very nice oven that can... It- Get rid of that smoke. And then you really need to leave it in there for like, you just put it in there cold, heat it up, let it sit for like an hour and then like cool it, let it cool back down again in the oven. I can, I can do that. Or in the grill. You can do it in the grill too. Grill is a better place to do it because one, you can get it hotter and two, you can get the smoke outside. That'll be fine. That'll be fine. You just need it hot. I can can load it up. Not over like direct flame too, if you can get it up uh, like, so it's more convection. Anyway, so you do that. And uh, yeah, a little bit of grapeseed oil. Do that a couple of times. You'll build the seasoning back up on there. Don't do put don't put too much on there, or it'll okay. gunk up. It gets all gunky and, I'll and sticky. I'll I'll do that. And then and then in terms of cooking, so that's the cheat. Get your seasoning built back up, and then you want to cook stuff in there like you know saute some saute some or not saute but uh, caramelize oh, some onions yeah. in there. Caramelize some onions Bell in there. Peppers. Make some pancakes. Pancakes are a good one because mm-hmm. they're high heat. So yeah, that sort of stuff. And then and bacon every once in a while. Like once you get the seasoning built up again, bacon's okay. But don't start with but it. But you don't want to do that I started that often. It. And you and you, oh yeah, yeah. Don't 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 break in a new cast iron with bacon to strip the seasoning. It's probably the most important part of for the whatever reason day right now. Yeah, it's all at the end. We leave the good stuff to the end. Uh, that that's a pro move. It keeps them listening. I have been using my cast iron to sear steaks and pork chops. I yeah, I've that's been, a, that's good too. I've been Hi, doing uh, sous vide for the pork chops, mm. and then mm-hmm. like forty seconds on each side in the in a hot cast iron skillet. Oh, it's so good, so good. Are you familiar with Searsall technology? No. 
a, you should go look up a sear. I feel like you like kitchen stuff. I feel like this would be in your this would be in your wheelhouse. I don't have one of these. I'm familiar with their with their with their workings. It's a butane I torch mean, adapter. <laughs> that's that's basically it? all it is. It's a butane torch adapter that spreads the heat out really wide, and you, and then you sear stuff with it. Hence why it's called oh, the man. sears all. I'm already on Amazon. This is going to be amazing. You you've you've already put it in the basket. I sh- in the cart. I should, as they say. I like that uh, when you search for this thing on on Amazon, like three rows down, they have the Sears all right next. They have it bundled with uh, sous vide containers. <laughs> sous vide. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a popular go because once you you know when you sous vide something, it doesn't look cooked and it doesn't have any of that Maillard reaction yep, going yep. on on there. So you got to get that. You got to get something out there and, and sear that thing. But the Sears all is hot. Oh, I hot, hot. So you can you can get a really good sear oh, very quickly. I'm in. Yeah, there you go. So there's my my gift to you. Not it's not a gift in physical form, but it's knowledge. I know I got to find the right one now because there's not. You know what I like more than these ten Lamborghinis <laughs> that I drive through the Hollywood Hills? Knowledge. I read a book a day. <laughs> uh, you know what I like more than these ten bookshelves my lamborghinis and these hollywood hills <laughs> perfect i don't know why i don't know i don't think he actually talks like christopher walken that's all right you know what i like more than these hollywood hills <laughs> my 10 lamborghinis you know i'm sorry this podcast is starting to go long i think this podcast is over we should shut it down the whole thing oh no just just for the day Okay. I, I got to get some food and I got yeah, another meeting. Go, go eat. So it's been good. Nice Nourish thy physical form. I will. I will. And then next time, maybe I'll have something more prepared for us to talk about. Yeah, please do. <laughs> if you could, if you could look over the notes that I send you, what? I don't know why Wait, you ignore you said- them every time. We have a Google Doc. I don't know if you know this. I've never put notes. I've never seen a Google Doc. Yeah. See, if you want, so if everybody thinks that I'm just the one who's going, you know, going on tangents and stuff, no, we have a Google Doc that Lamish just never reads. That's the that's the behind the scenes inside baseball. We have a Google Doc that Keithley's never shared with anybody else. Apparently, (laughs) it's it's just (laughs) blogspot.com slash Keithley slash blogspot (laughs) slash Keithley thoughts. Uh, it was on his it was on his GeoCities site up until last my, week. It was on my Zenga. <laughs> All right, sir. You have a wonderful day. Later. See you in the new year.